Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. My name is Goose. My name is Gabby. And I didn't stuff it up that time. You didn't. You did really well. Good job. We've only been doing this for two years. (laughs) Well, on today's show, we did a bit of a property market update. Um, we did, yeah. It's not it's not one of our usual go tos because we're a little bit more strategic most of the time. But some really interesting stats over the last twelve months that we wanted to share. So. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how different parts of the property market have performed very mm-hmm. differently, and how you can read um, current and historical data to get a better sense of what's happening now. But it rem- just a reminder as well that like past performance is not an indicator of future performance. It sounds like a kind of trite aphorism, but it is absolutely true. What you want to try and work out is where a market's going before they get there. But we looked at some very interesting things. We looked at um, the what's happening in the regions, what's happening in the capitals. We compared the different regional areas against each other and themselves, and also the same with capital cities. We talk, even talked a little bit about the changes in rents in the different areas and stuff. And I think you're going to be very surprised um, by some of the stuff that you hear and which markets have been performing better than others, uh, et cetera. So, yeah, I actually thought it was quite fun, Gabby. Yeah. We touch on units and houses as well and how that's, how that's changing over time and how it's probably going to affect how people think about uh, property and investing moving forward. So, Indeed. Super interesting. Super interesting. Well, on that note, let's jump right on into it. We won't keep you keep you waiting. I hope you enjoy it. And um, yeah, make sure you like, rate, review, share, send this to a family member, friend or loved one, and we'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. You're with your pals Goose and Gabby. Gabby, how are you? I am tired, to be honest. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired today. We are. Um, what have you been doing? I think we've got your folks are visiting this weekend. They and, are. Um, if they're listening, it's because I'm really excited to see them, and I have just not been <laughs> sleeping. I've been so excited that I haven't been sleeping. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I am excited to see them, but not correlated. No, no correlation, no causation. Just a excited to see them. <laughs> well, it's been a it's been a it's been a big year, right? It's been a big big year, not just for for Dashdot. It's been a big year for for property. You know, it's been a big there's been a yeah. lot going on this year, and I think it's really interesting as well. Like just kind of giving it some context. You know, around about nearly two years ago is when the whole kind of COVID situation mm, yeah. happened, and all of this kind of stuff. And so the last couple of years have been pretty full on. You know, we had a huge amount of changes uh, in our lives. Everyone did um, in 2020. And then we had, you know, like this kind of rebounding economy where it, you know, we had this V-shaped um, uh, recovery and it was like, well, the economy crashed and then the economy boomed and then Delta hit and everyone went back in a lockdown and the economy crashed again. And now it's, you know, now it's set to take off. And so it's been a real roller coaster emotionally spiritually financially physically you know the amount of people that i know that have like put on loads of weight in the last couple of years (laughs) and stuff like that or um that just values have changed or priorities have changed or situations have changed people have moved to different places people have started different jobs there's the whole you know they're talking about the great resignation which is because people have over the last couple of years have started to realize actually what what do i want to do with my life and is this really it and a lot of people are actually leaving their jobs and going and doing other stuff so 
to say that the last couple of years has been tumultuous is probably an understatement. So <laughs> I think that as you get towards the end of this year, Gabby, I think it's fair enough. <laughs> fair enough to feel a little bit fatigued <laughs> a little bit of a nap yeah and I think like we were talking about this the other day where you do kind of forget like two years is a, is a substantial amount of time and it kind of feels like it has kind of become a new normal now you know this mm. this mid towards the end slash post pandemic world um but like two years so two years ago this just sounds like basic math. Two years ago, I was two years younger than I am what? now. What? Hang on a second. What? Hang, hang on a second. Do you, <laughs> but it- <laughs> you're, are you are you a professional investor? Math. <laughs> math. I do math for so a two, living. Two, so just so I've got that right, <laughs> two, year, two years ago, you were two years younger. Come on. Let me, let me alone. <laughs> yes. My point is two years of a human being has a lot of – change like you can experience a lot of growth and you're a different person Mm. in those two years and I think you know it is been it has been two years of these roller coaster times and these really high anxiety high uncertainty times Mm. and a lot of growth I think has happened in a lot of people right in a lot of like adapting to new things and figuring out what their actual values are and where they want to spend you know the next 20 years of their life there's been a real like realignment as well so yeah totally just thinking about it as well our podcast this podcast has mostly just been in the in that kind of two-year period basically a covid podcast (laughs) we started in december 2019 um so only a couple of months before uh, yeah, everything true. started. Yeah, it's very wild. Wow. Interesting, huh? Wow. So, a lot's been going on <laughs> in life generally. Gabby's a little bit. Gabby's ready for a nap. But the property, <laughs> the property market has I'll also. I'll have coffee instead. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The property market's also been in a wild, you know, wild state. West. You know, wild, yeah. wild west. Um, and it's pretty interesting as well because everyone says things like, "Ah, oh, the." whole property market grew by 22% and stuff. Like you hear a lot of this kind of nonsense when you read stuff in the, in the, the mainstream media. Um, and largely they, like, they, they just categorize things and they say the Australian property market has grown by X when in reality, some markets have grown by more than that. And then that brings up the median. And, you know, so there's definitely been a lot going on in property in the last um, 12 months. Uh, and I thought for the very first time, like we should maybe do a little bit. I don't think we've ever really done a like a property market update, or maybe we have, or I'm not really sure. Actually, I think maybe like at the start of the podcast, so hmm. nearly two years ago. Well, there you go. Maybe we'll start doing stuffs bit. happened since then, guys. <laughs> totally. Now <laughs> we get we get we're getting to the end towards the end of 2021. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to just kind of reflect on you know what's been happening in different property markets. Um, you know, in the last kind of month, three months, twelve months, what that means. You know, um, you know, just kind of dig into some of that kind of stuff because I think it is pretty interesting once you start looking at some of the numbers and some of the uh, different you know, different rates that the different markets are moving because it's mm. not as it's not as straightforward as people think. Like people people generally think, oh, the housing market has gone up or the housing market has gone down. And it's literally not that at all. You know, there's 15,264 suburbs in Australia. As people have probably heard us say before, they are all independent markets. And in fact, mm-hmm. there's sub-markets within those markets. So even in a, even in a suburb, 
you know, the, a suburb is one statistical area, um, but you can go down to a smaller statistical area and SA one. Um, so you have submarkets in in a typical suburb. You might have four submarkets. You know, it's it's really interesting, right? Um, the and you have what, different streets within those submarkets, and mm, exactly so many different fractals. Exactly, exactly. So it's pretty interesting to kind of, I think these kind of conversations can be useful to help people to kind of recalibrate their thinking a little bit around what's happening in the market. And if you're listening, this, not watching this, I'm, I'm putting that in air, air quotations, <laughs> the, the market. Um, so why don't we dig into some of that, Gabby? And I know, awesome. and, and I know that you're, you're way less into like property market stats and stuff <laughs> than I am. So why don't you take why don't you kind of take on a bit of a role of a uh, an innocent bystander, the protagonist, going, "What does this even mean?" And, <laughs> Tell me not. what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, well, like seriously, because again, like if you take the if you take the angle of like not paying attention to the news every single day, mm. right? Which is honestly my my point. I don't pay attention yeah. every single day to what is happening. I think that's not the best way to to spend your time. Um, and, but yeah, you do generally hear the market, quote unquote, mm. booming, right? Crazy, crazy 12 months, crazy last quarter, still yeah. crazy coming into December. What, what does that actually look like in terms of, in terms of like growth numbers? Yeah. T- well, that's a really, it's a really good question, right? And so I think it's worth breaking it down into a few different sections, right? So there's the mm-hmm. Australian wide market, right? Which is how has all property in Australia performed on an ad- aggregated average basis, right? So you can you can categorize it like that. Um, and then there's the combined regionals, then there's combined capitals. And then we can go into like regional specific areas and capital specific areas. So we can kind of go start super macro and then get a little bit more granular. How does that sound? Yep, sweet. Let's go macro. Okay, awesome. So in the past month, Australia-wide, the property market generally, right? And again, that's the most inaccurate way because all the markets move differently. But if you aggregate mm-hmm. everything, right? Look at the average, uh, the median across everything. Uh, in the past month, the Australian property market or residential property prices more specific. So when we're talking about these these changes, we're talking about changes in dwelling values, right? So basically changes in median sales price. So Australia-wide in the past month, it's um, and this is as at 30th of November. So it depends on when you're listening to this, but this is this is using data, data at the end of 30, uh, the end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Australian property market has grown by 1.3%. In the last three months, it's grown by 4.4%. And in the last 12 months, it's grown by 22.2%, right? So that's nationwide. But here's where it starts to get a little more interesting. Because if you look at regionals versus capitals, it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. So in the last month, the combined regionals of so the regional areas of all the states has grown by 2.2% versus the combined capital cities have only grown by 1.1%, right? So regional regional areas have had double the amount of growth in the last month than, uh, than the capital city markets nationwide, which I think is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, which I guess would largely be, you know, a lot of a lot of the information that you talk about, and I know that you did, you you know we've had Terry Ryder on here quite a few times. Yeah, bloody bloody Tezza, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the exodus to affordability and lifestyle, right? So mm. largely, I would imagine regionals have experienced a lot of benefit from these kind of pandemic times where people want to transition out of capital cities and more set up in 
locations that are better suited to their lifestyle and how they want to set themselves up for like the next 20 years, mm. right? Yeah, to- totally. It, there's, a, there's a huge amount of reasons for it and we don't need to go into the whole like, you know, massively <laughs> into that. But and, yep. and so we've done loads of episodes on what's going on in the regions and, you know, fundamentally I think that's going to be the biggest uh, for like for the next probably five years to – also, I think the I think regionals are going to outperform capitals generally speaking over the next five years. Then there'll probably be a you know a cyclical you know realignment. People you know like it, it happens time and again. It's, it's happened before loads of times, right? We just happen to be in this phase of the cycle where people are moving into other parts of the country for a variety of different reasons. There's always different reasons, same trends. Um, so. And also, like in the in the we did that the episode the seven reasons why you shouldn't buy uh, an investment mm. property right now that are a bit bushy. In that particular episode, I actually really dug into the capitals versus uh, regionals discussion. And honestly, regionals outperform capitals most of the time. It's mm-hmm. it's such a it's like one of those um, those those hidden truths or you know that in the property market but regardless let's get back to let's get back to the stats so in the last month combined regionals have outperformed capital city combined capital cities by um double so 2.2 percent versus 1.1 percent interestingly though if you look at it even across the last 12 months because it's last month you could easily just say that's a statistical anomaly it's not statistically significant but over the last 12 months the combined regionals have achieved 25.2 percent capital growth versus the combined capitals 21.3 percent capital growth right so nationally in the last 12 months 22.2 uh regional combined regionals in the last 12 months 25.2 and combined capitals in the last 12 months 21.3 so most of the growth has been happening in regional areas and yes that is all the stuff we've talked about before exodus to affordability you know um fleeing lockdowns like doing all of this kind of stuff but i believe it's going to be a sustained trend as well but i think it's pretty it's pretty striking when you when you really you know extrapolate that out over a 12 month period yeah i think you know and that that episode you did with bushies was was really awesome just to dig into Mm. the regional versus capitals because i think a lot of people do you know take aside kind of the last 12 to 18 months in terms Mm. of people's perception of the utility of living in capital cities right where people might naturally think, well, that makes sense. But I think long-term as well, really digging into people's assumptions that you need to invest in a capital city and that's going to be the best long-term performer. And so yeah. I think if you guys haven't listened to that podcast, go back and check it out because it's, yeah, it's got some good nuggets in there. But yeah, just the regionals, I think, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And it's really interesting though because obviously not all regions are equal mm-hmm. and not all capitals are equal. So we can kind of dig into that, some of that stuff too. So what we've covered is um, Australia and the combined regions, combined capitals over the last month, three months and 12 months. So let's dig into which have been the best performers in the regional areas uh, Mm -hmm. over the last month. And and we'll we'll do month and 12 months because they're probably the most pragmatic. Um, So regional Tasmania has been the best uh, best performer in the last month uh, at 2.5% in the last month, which is pretty awesome. And over the year, it has actually been the best performer as well. So it's about 20, 20, uh, 29.8% growth in the last 12 months in regional New South Wales. Yeah, huge. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, so that's been the that's been actually the best performer uh, across the country over the last 12 months. That's been the best performing market segment 
mm. over the last 12 months, which is pretty interesting. Um, some other areas of note, though, would be regional New South Wales. So that's grown 2.4% in the last month and 29.1% in the last 12 months. So that's kind of like number two in the regionals list over the last 12 months. And then we've got regional Queensland uh, coming in third with 2.2%. Uh, well, actually, if you look at the last month, South Australia, regional South Australia is actually the best performer, at two, uh, third best performer at 2.3%. Uh, and then Queensland is the fourth best performer at 2.2%. But on a 12-month on a 12-month basis, regional South Australia has only grown by 16.9%. So that's been the second lowest in the regions uh, uh, for the last 12 months. Uh, but regional Queensland has been the third highest uh, in the last 12 months at 24.1%. So just to kind of recap recap that, the top three regions in terms of performance for the last 12 months to November 30 were in order, regional Tasmania at 29.8%, regional New South Wales at 29.1%, and then regional Queensland at 24.1%. And a special mention goes to regional Victoria, which has grown by 24% over the last 12 months, so only just behind regional Queensland as well. Now... It's so interesting because I love I love the psychographics of all of this, right? And yeah. I just usually you can pinpoint some kind of anecdote yourself that you've experienced that, yep. that applies to this. And I was just thinking the amount of times that mum I've had a conversation with my mum and she's asked where we're buying at the moment. She's trying to get the goss. And she's like, oh, do you think you could like? Is there anything happening in like Tasmania? I could I'm thinking about like I could go and live over there. And she says, yeah. there's a lot of this like anecdotal mention of Tasmania, and it mm-hmm. tends to those kind of stories that you experience tend to show up in the data as well so it's interesting yeah totally and it's also really interesting to to then compare that with um with yields though right so if we look at um if we look at the gross rental yields in those areas that's also really really telling as well um so regional tasmania 4.4 percent uh gross yield uh regional queensland 4.6 percent gross yield regional south new south wales 3.7 percent gross yield so every uh, investing decision has to be made not just in the context of growth, but also in the context of affordable growth. And what is the what is the opportunity for you to buy properties which are going to be able to give you the liquidity you need to be able to maintain your borrowing capacity and everything like that? And so there's always this there's always this trade off between what aspects of the holy trinity you're going to focus on the most. You know, like is it growth? Is it cash flow? Is it is there other factors or is it a balance? So. Um, yeah, it's, and it's pretty interesting. And the other thing as well is that I would suggest that these numbers aren't the twelve-month historical are not necessarily the things that are going to be happening in the next twelve months. So just because yeah, you sure. just because you hear listening to this podcast that regional Tasmania has grown by twenty nine point eight percent in the last twelve months does not mean that that's a good sign to go there and buy. In fact, it could actually mean a be a really a really big sign that actually the best the best buying has been done, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, particularly when you look at some of the other uh, numbers in the one month, you know, with regional South Australia popping up to 2.3% uh, in, the last, in the last month, I would suggest that there's some really good opportunities uh, creeping up in regional South Australia over the next over the next 12 months as well. So, yeah, some really interesting stuff there, actually. Yeah, I think it's a classic, again, it's like psychographics, right? When you hear investment, when you hear like a, a place has been performing, so I'm going to jump on and before I miss out, like there's that FOMO element as I'm- always. But, you know, I would imagine Brisbane still over the last 12 months has done pretty well. It's a capital, but I would imagine because people still seem to be consistently saying, what about Brisbane? What about Brisbane? What about Brisbane? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's really funny that you just say that kind of like 
See, I, I would say that um, I'm very good at property, very bad at shares, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is why I don't, which is why, uh. which is. Which is why I have just like some like kind of like play play money not, basically in it's shares. Not your, it's not your strong suit. Oh darling. my god! No, no. So, <laughs> so I um I finished reading Elon Musk's book. Oh well, not Elon. Hmm. The book on Elon Musk, right? And yeah. I finished reading that, and I was like, oh yeah, Tesla. Yeah, Tesla's awesome. So I went and bought some Tesla shares, and then the next, literally, like li- <laughs> literally the next day, like literally the day, twenty four hours after I, I did that. That was when he posted, um, hey, should I sell 10% of my shares or whatever? And the share prices crashed. Like I bought them. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Tesla. Yeah, it's been going up ages. Look, at, <laughs> look, it just keeps going up. It just keeps going up. And so I bought and literally the next day lost, I think, 10% of, of the money that I'd put into it. Now, it wasn't a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really do much with shares because it's not an area that I'm, I'm, I have, you know, the skills and the, the expertise and also the technology and stuff that we have. So, that, so that's a classic example of kind of getting it at the wrong time. And then, then in another example, uh, in the last week or so, there was like a bit of a correction happened, like a little blip in the radar. And I like freaked out. I thought, oh my God, I've got to sell, sell, sold a bunch of shares. And then literally it was, it was like, it was like someone just hit, hit the shares, the, the value with an ax. And I bought at exactly the bottom of the dip because I was following my emotions. I'm like, okay, this is not how to, this is not how to play that game. So not my arena. No, it's not. It was a really good lesson. Just a good reminder that this is, that's, it's not my area. Property, great. Shares, Prop- not so no, much. No, yeah, exactly. Property, I can tell you pretty much exactly when to buy and when to sell. That's great. But um, <laughs> but um, anyway, so just a, that is just a good pertinent reminder. Um, but just just because things have been going well does not mean that that means they're going to continue to go well and continue to outperform. Uh, and you will get the greatest gains when you get in earlier in the cycle. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in regional Tasmania, you know, we did we were buying in regional Tasmania. I don't know, what, 18 months ago, Gabby, we were buying in regional yep. Tasmania. And so the, so by getting in at that point in the market, which made a lot of sense, we've now been able to capitalize on all that growth for our clients. And so really the trick is actually working out where are the market's going, not where have they been, right? So it's very, it's very, interesting, um, very interesting to think about all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about the capital cities then, right? Because we've talked okay. about which regions have been performing well, but what about which capital cities? Because again... Sydney being the largest population base in Australia and Melbourne being the second largest population base in Australia. And that's where most of the media outlets are housed. They take, they tend to talk about property in the context of uh, what's happening in those areas. Right. So let's take, let's take, let's take a little look at um, some of the best performers in the last um, 12 months. Yep. Right. In terms of capital cities. So, the best performer in the last 12 months in terms of capital cities has been Sydney, which probably isn't a huge surprise uh, to a lot of people because they probably have heard in all the media how much Sydney prices are going bananas and all of that kind of stuff. And Sydney over the last 12 months has grown by the property market. And again, bearing in mind, there are markets within markets and not every suburb has performed the same. And some suburbs in Sydney have actually gone down in value over the last 12 months, Mm. believe it or not. There are suburbs in Sydney which have gone down in value over the last 12 months. So please don't misrepresent. This is the average. Yeah, this is the average across that the whole area. Um, so Sydney, broadly speaking, has the property market has increased by twenty five point eight percent, which has been uh, the strongest performer in the last uh, twelve months. Followed closely by Brisbane at twenty five point one percent. So Sydney twenty five point eight, Brisbane twenty five point one. Oh, sorry, my mistake. Hobart was the was the best performer. I'm I, I, ah. I missed. 
Hobart was the best performer ah. in the last 12 months at 27.7%. So Hobart at 27.7, then Sydney at 25.8, and then uh, Brisbane at 25.1, uh, followed closely behind by Canberra at 24.5. So Hobart was actually the biggest performer in the last 12 months. Um, but I would actually argue that a lot of that has been uh, earlier in the last 12 months um, because they were experiencing a lot of lot of growth, and I, I feel like that's kind of tapered out a little bit. Particularly when you um, when you look at some of the other areas which have been performing really really well in the last month, right? So if you look at the last month stats, so Canberra is at one point one percent, Darwin is at negative point four percent in the last um, in the last month, which is really interesting because over the last twelve months they're up sixteen point seven. Because what happened? There was a huge amount. There was a couple of quarters there where, where Darwin was the outperformer and was the highest growth market in the country. But it's just so volatile that it's now come crashing back down, and it's all over the place. It's all over the all over again, the shop. Again, I'm thinking about a handful of people I know that moved to Darwin like earlier this year. Mm. So it's yeah. Psychographics. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Your catchphrase for this episode? Mm, psychographics. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. yes. Um, yeah. And if you're interested to know more about psychographics, then I encourage you to go back and check out our episode, Psychographics <laughs> versus Demographics, because that is a thrilling conversation. One of very, my favorites. Actually. It's actually one of my favorites, too. So I encourage you to go back and check I mean, that one out. It's you and I, so it's <laughs> a little bit. But, biased, no, but, but I, think the, I think the topic, good, I think, yeah, I think, the, I think the, um, the, the, the topic and the, and the thinking behind it is pretty robust. So I, I, yep. I'm, I'll stand by that. <laughs> um, so Canberra is up by 1.1% in the last month. Darwin's down by 0.4%. Hobart's up by 1.1%. Perth is up by 0. 0.2%, 0.2%, um, 14.5% for the year. Um, Adelaide is up 2.5% versus 21.4% in the last 12 months. Now, this is where it's interesting, right? Because keep an eye on this. So, so far, um, Adelaide is the highest that we've read so far to put in the last in the last month. So Adelaide's on a bit of a on a bit of an upswing. Brisbane is on a 2.9% for the last month. So the best performers in the last month have been Adelaide at 2.5% and Brisbane at 2.9%. The next best behind them is Canberra and Hobart, and they are a long way behind at 1.1% each, right? So in the last month, massively outperforming the other the other cities is Adelaide and Brisbane at 25 and 2.9% respectively over Canberra and Hobart at 1.1% each, right? And that is way ahead of Melbourne at 0.6% and Sydney at 0.9%. Uh, and yeah, so so I would suggest that's a, that's a little more telling. And in fact, if we get a little, let's dig into this a little further because 12 months is a long time in property, right? So in the last three months, Canberra, 5%, Darwin, 0.2%, Hobart, 5.5%. So Canberra and Hobart in the last month, 1.1. Canberra and Hobart in the last three months, 5 and 5.5% respectively. So fairly close, fairly neck and neck. And both of those cities respectively, 245 and 277 respectively over the last 12 months. So fairly similar markets, I would, I would argue. Perth in the last three months, 0.4%. Adelaide, 6.5%. Brisbane, 7.4%. Now, that is pretty interesting when you consider how they performed over the year, 21.4 and 25.1 respectively, versus places like Hobart and places like Sydney, which outperformed, and places like Canberra, which outperformed those markets. So I would argue that that's a pretty good sign that both Adelaide and Brisbane are coming through and probably coming a little stronger towards this end of the uh, this end of the cycle, um, versus Melbourne in the last three months, 2.4%, and Sydney in the last three months, 4.3%. 
So Melbourne, surprisingly, only given given how much people talk about property prices in the capitals and stuff like that, has only grown by 16.3%, less than Darwin. So Darwin grew by 16.7% in the last 12 months, and Melbourne grew by 16.3% in the last 12 months. So Melbourne has underperformed Darwin over the last 12 months, which is really interesting and probably not something a lot of Melbourne people want to hear. <laughs> No, for sure. I'm just thinking about that. Like, it's a huge drop off for Darwin, isn't it? Like, if it's nearly 17% the last 12 months, but then the last three months, it's barely any growth, right? Well, it's basically yeah. dropped to zero. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And then in the last month, it's less. It's, you know, it's gone, it's gone backwards. Mm. So, really, really, really fascinating stuff. And actually, one of the things we're um, developing with our team of data scientists is a, is a suburb volatility index. So, you can do um, so that we can look at what the, the risk adjusted uh, return probability profile is of any location because if you've got an area which might grow quickly but it also might be quite volatile you've got to be able to mm. factor that in as well but i would argue that sydney like sydney is on its not on us not just on a slowdown but it could be on a way down like i think i think that um i think that that the sydney market is going to have uh, some kind of structural issues over the next little bit where they where there's going to be some kind of recorrections and recalibrations of pricing uh, over the next over the next 12 months uh, even though it has performed well in the last 12 months um you know it's that's not the kind, I think that's not necessarily telling of what's going to keep continuing to happen over the next uh, over the next 12 months why why do you think that's going to happen in Sydney it's a great very high level it's a very great <laughs> question because there's because of the lack of underlying um, drivers, mm -hmm. basically. So Sydney might be a nice place to live, sure. Um, but most of the reason people you live in Sydney is either is due, basically due to the um, utility of it. They need to live closer to work. Professional. Um, totally. But people don't really need to do that anymore. We don't have a lot of migration. Um, most of the public and private uh, spending on jobs and business and everything like that is actually being pushed out to the regionals anyway because it's cheaper and also because it's decentralization of the economy. And so less people, there are less people who have to work in a city and then the opportunities are being created elsewhere. So even if even if immigration opens up and they pump another 200,000 people in here over the next couple of months, which they're talking about doing, you know, I think a lot of those jobs are going to go out to the regions anyway. I just don't. I don't think there's a lot. Um, it's a bit of a leaky bucket at the moment, and there's not a lot to hold people here. Um, nice place, nice place to live if you're in the right parts. But if you're not in the right parts, like where the, where you've got access to things like beaches and waterways and stuff, if you're just living in suburbia, then there's way better places to live in the country, and people are people are realizing that as well. So, so yeah, so pretty pretty interest, pretty interesting diversification. You know, it shows that there's, that there's definitely multiple speeds to the different markets that we're looking at, and there's also been a really big. Um, shift in the um, house versus units market as well. Yeah, which I guess we don't really we don't really touch on very much because we're like houses buy land basically mm. wherever you can. But what what trend is happening? Are people buying people more interested in units? Well, what, well, so houses most most people would know but just in case you don't just in case you're not aware houses generally perform out sorry outperform uh, units for property prices and the reason for that is land scarcity because you can build more apartments you can go for, you can go up further so they they have the ability to over oversupply that market much easier which creates greater volatility because there's more liquidity and all of that kind of stuff in the market right so that's um that's the challenge, you know, and there's been lots of markets, Brisbane, um, Melbourne, lo loads of markets where um, units have been oversupplied. In fact, one of our clients, um, 
recently I had a conversation with him because he has a unit in Brisbane that he's living in or him and his partner are living in and they bought the they bought the apartments I don't know fought, fought a few years ago uh, now Brisbane is obviously performing quite strongly and they thought Yahoo look at this um, let's get out let's get our apartment revalued and it was actually worth the same or less than what they paid for it mm. like five years prior wow, um, yeah. yeah really super not cool so you got to be really careful you, <laughs> you, cool you got, not cool guys not cool so you got to be careful about uh all that kind of stuff like the supply risk but what's actually happening is that houses houses have continued to outperform um uh, units so houses in capital cities have gone up by 1.2 percent uh over the last 12 months and 0.7 percent for houses um which is pretty huge so um what are those numbers again sorry uh, so houses have outperformed units, capital city, so housing index for capital cities. So houses are up 1.2% in the last um, month and units are up 0.7% in the last month. So it's a pretty big, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sizable gap. Um, Sydney is where the, where the gap is the biggest. Um, a house costs on average $523,000 more than a unit, which is massive. Wow. Yeah. Huge. Um Capital city houses are now 37.9% more expensive than capital city units, which is the largest largest difference on record, which is massive. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty it's a it's a pretty big it's a pretty wide gap. Now, the fundamentals of that make sense, and the mechanics of that make sense. You know, there's land scarcity, there's you know bigger property, you know, but all of this, all of, there's loads of reasons why that is the case. But the question you've got to ask is, what is that going to mean, right? So, and this is, I think, one of the one of the potential um, soft spots in in places like Sydney, right? Because the gap between units and houses has gotten so big that people are probably questioning, well, sh- do, do we even need to buy a house? Like, mm. if if you're in a situation where you know maybe you you you're looking at buying a uh, a house and maybe it's like. 1.5 million versus a, or maybe it's like 1.3 million versus a, a a really nice apartment for 800,000, for example, right? If that's the kind of spread that you're looking at, then there's going to be a lot of people who are just going to say, look, it's too expensive to go and buy a house. Mm-hmm. Let's, I can, can we adjust our expectations? Are we going to be satisfied with apartments? Now, that I think is a part of a bigger trend towards great identification. And I think that that is a trend that is happening in Australia. Um, great identification doesn't mean that everyone should go and um, start investing in apartments. It means that the value of uh, houses and land is going to continue to rise more rapidly. Um, but I do think that more people are going to be adjusting the way they're living and are going to be satisfied with living in smaller properties, et cetera. I know me me personally, like more, I'm, I'm probably happier in an apartment than I would be in a house. Um, yeah. You know, from a personal living perspective, right? Yeah, I was just thinking it'd be like we're going to see an even steeper increase in rent vesting, right? You would imagine yeah. because if that if that gap keeps going up, right, prices prices are going up, right? And people are not going to stop wanting to live in a place that they enjoy mm. living in. And so sometimes it might reach a point where that where the, you know, multi-million dollar house is just out of reach for a lot of people. And so deciding actually, you know what, I'm going to live in a place that I rent, in a location that I enjoy. Mm. Sure, I don't own it, but instead I'm going to park my funds either in, I'm going to park it in an investment property in mm. a location that is actually logical and makes sense and is a good choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, as opposed to like, a lot, I think a lot of people still have that dream of saving up, buying 
you know, people in Sydney, everyone wants to, like, live on the water in the east. And it's, Mm. like, it's not feasible for so many people. And I think with people growing into more prioritising their lifestyle for the next 20, 30 years, Mm. I think rent vesting is going to become more and more the obvious choice as opposed to... Totally. But even if it's not rent vesting, like, even if people are still buying... Right, there's still there's still going to be some big decisions to make, and I would argue that um, there are going to be a lot more people in that situation, in in a place like Sydney, for example, where they will be choosing to buy an apartment, right? Yep. Um, versus a house, and what that will do is that will that will that will drop the house price growth back a gear as the demand gets soaked up by by units. Units, yeah. Right? And so I, I think that there's a, a piece there. But the, but the other problem with that is that there's so much more supply of units, right? So there's a lot more there's a lot more um, room to be soaked up in that market. So it's not just going to be as simple as like, oh, okay, uh, house prices might slow down and unit prices are going to start skyrocketing. Not not necessarily because there's a huge huge amount of supply in that sector and there's there's constantly more apartment blocks being built. So I would suggest that that is still going to dampen the um, the price growth in the unit market as well. Like that's going to still be very very slow. I think what the actual outcome is going to be is just a dramatic slowdown of the of the property market because you can only get so so volatile and you, know, you can only create create those gaps so much before before things start to slow down a little bit so mm, yeah for sure sweet um is there anything else that's kind of burning that's that's happened over the last little little while that we can recap on um i think annual change in rents would be really interesting as well yeah. just just super, just just super quick so we've got i've got some stats here um just so people can get an idea of what's kind of happening in the rental market because if you're an investor Rents matter, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you're a homeowner, not so much. But obviously, this show is for investors um, or primarily for investors. That's who we speak to the most. So let's take a little look at that. So capital city um, changes in rents in houses. So Darwin, 17.7% increase in rents over the last 12 months. Hobart, 13.7% increase in rents over the last 12 months. Brisbane, 11.7%. Perth, 11.6%. Sydney, 10.2%. Adelaide, 9.4%, Canberra, 8.7%, and Melbourne, 4.7%. So Melbourne has been a gross <laughs> underperformer in the last 12 months. It's, only, it's the lowest increase in rents across the 12 months at 4.7%, and also the lowest – oh, sorry, not the, not the lowest, but the second lowest growth nationwide over the last 12 months. The slowest growth nationwide over the last 12 months was uh, Perth. When we t- this is specific to uh, capitals. Because uh, uh, re- all of the regions outperformed those numbers, so that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I think those 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 rental ch- the the rental growth numbers. Um, yeah, what yeah, do you think about that? I meant to say the word psychographics again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but mm, it's so psychographics. It is interesting though, because I think it, like if you can understand and pay attention to the psychographics of what people think and feel about mm. different locations at different points in time, it trickles down like a couple of months or the next 12 months into the data that we see. And yeah. so like Melbourne, exact an exact example, like that makes sense. If you think about it logically, that people, there is less demand for both houses in terms of the, the capital growth, one of the lowest performing capital growth um, capital cities in the mm-hmm. last 12 months, but then also that rental increase, the lowest performer by a fair mm. whack. Um, you know, that makes sense because you think like there is less demand of people moving to and moving around Melbourne. So I think that, yeah, it makes sense. 
Yeah. 17% in Darwin though, that's huge. Yeah, 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 totally. So Darwin is by far and away the highest yielding capital city at 6.1% median. Mm. median. Um, but you know, good yields, but maybe slightly volatile property prices perhaps. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I th- that's probably the only other um, interesting property market statistic, data, fun fact, news that I'd love to I'd love to share. What do you think of it? Do you think it's been valuable, Gabby? Have you gotten anything out yeah. of this episode? Yeah, I was just thinking about the the rental increases as well, right? Because mm-hmm. I think like yields, there's this there's so many things that go into yields. It's like prices, mm-hmm. the purchase prices go up, and then your yields come down, right? But so as the prices are going up over the last 12 months and may continue to over the next few years, um, broadly speaking, yields are going to be compressed, right? They're compressed now and they're probably going to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you look at at the last 20-year trend in yields, it's a downward trend, yeah. Yeah, and obviously there's markets within markets. It's not everywhere. You can still find pockets where you get really strong yields. But generally speaking, the median yield, it would be coming down. but the the rent is still increasing. Yeah. So there's still, you know, the top line, the, the value of the asset is increasing. The yield is coming down because of that, because the yield the yield isn't keeping up with the the same totally. growth rate. So but the, but the rent is still going up. So oh, the yields totally. might so, look worse. But if you can buy a property, you capture that at a moment in time, right? Mm. So the price is so you might buy a property for five hundred thousand dollars. The price is going to continue to go up, Yahoo, but so is the rent, mm-hmm. right? So your personal yield is going to be different to the market yield, right? And that's um, I think that's one of the biggest secrets that people forget. They're, they're like, oh, hang on a second. My yield is actually going to change on this property over time. So you could buy a 6% yielding property today and it could be an 8 or a 9% pro- yielding property in, in you know, yeah. three, three or four years, you know? like obviously yeah. Your yield on- is only likely to get better over time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And in fact, a lot of the places that we've been buying properties, you know, they've seen sort of 15% um, rental increases in the last 12 months as well. So mm. it is it is a case of markets markets within markets. And when you look at the when you look at the, the capital city yields at the moment, it combined capital is about 3.3%, sorry, and uh, the national, sorry, the combined regional is 4.2%. Right, which is pretty significant. So over thirty percent higher in the regions, mm. um, and the national average yield at the moment is three point two percent. Now, bearing bearing in mind that you know we don't really buy properties less than like five and a half, five, maybe five percent at a squeeze sort of thing. You know, we're still able to get get yields that are way above even the combined regional average uh, for our clients as well, as well as getting a huge amount of growth. So I think it's um, I think it's a lot of good news stories in there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Cool, Gabby. Well, this is fun. Maybe we should do this like quarterly or something. Bish, bash, bosh, numbers, stats. <laughs> Away you go. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I'm speaking like your dad already. I'm getting I'm getting prepared. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Gabby, well, why don't we leave it there? Um, guys, if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed this kind of a discussion, please let us know by sending us an email to hello at dashdot.com.au. And... If you want help to navigate the property market, if you want to be able to cut through the noise, find the markets before they grow so you can get the benefit of all of the growth and also get up to 71, or an average of 71% higher yields and an average of 150% more growth, then I encourage you to book a call. So just head to www.dashdot.com.au forward slash discovery. So dashdot.com.au forward slash discovery. Um, book in a call, have a chat. It's free. Get to know us. We'll get to know you. And if it feels like a good fit, we'll help you crush it and build a scalable, profitable property portfolio so you can achieve your goals faster and live a life by design. That's what it's all about. And on that note, let's wrap it up.
Bye. See you guys on the next episode. Bye.